Hello there, I'm Mike Brandon and I'm joined by David Spears to just discuss the Ansan situation mid-season and then move on to the rather dark case of uh, with Ansan in such dire straits, what is the future of the club and can we expect to see Ansan competing in the 2024 season? So David, how are you? Hi, good morning. I'm doing well, doing well. Looking forward to a nice positive podcast today. <laughs> the noise is with Ansan, of course. Um, I say that, of course, ironically. So just to get on to what's happened with Ansan this season, um, in the league, the 12th out of 13, Ansan, of course, being very thankful for Conan having joined the league so they wouldn't be rock bottom. But with four wins and five draws and 25 games, there's not a lot to talk about, which is not negative. Um, but the main thing from the season, of course, has come from the Im Jong-hon scandal. So, of course, Ansan's uh, caretaker manager from last year, from another man manager transition, became the permanent manager. But earlier this year, there were reports or allegations that there had been essentially related to his time in Thailand at Pattaya United. He'd been working with an agent to bring in players and there had been some profiteering from doing that. Um, initially, he refused to resign, but eventually... Um, that became the case and he stepped down from his position at the club so what did you think about that David was that is that unprecedented in in Korean football or I mean it was quite a big shock or a bit of a shame for the club it is like um there has been a lot of scandals across Korean sport and Korean football but I think this one was worse that was the, the idea that he was still the manager and yet there were still at that time there were inquiries about him they sort of like seized his phone trying to stop him from allegedly destroying records as well so yeah I mean uh, certainly Korean sports gone through a lot of scandals uh, particularly with match fixing in the past but this one did feel a little bit different and a little bit more serious as well Given Ansan's league position as well it fits into the theme today of having such a, a catastrophic scandal really would add weight to the idea that Ansan could be in jeopardy uh, in their existence as a club, at least in in the greenest form. We'll, of course, talk a bit later about the history of Ansa having so many different teams in the first place. Um, but since then, um, there was a two-month interim period, and the coach that actually picked up half of Ansan's wins came from the interim coach. <laughs> but he has been replaced by Yiguan Sheik, formerly the John Nam assistant manager. Um, not quite sure on his record, um, of course, at his first game um, at the weekend, which against Asan, which didn't go very well at all. Uh, Asan played very poorly and eventually got the uh, Asan took the game. What do you know about Iguan Sheik? Can Asan expect any type of upturn, with, particularly with the squad they have? I think he's a real risk. Um, there's a lot of good things, a lot of positives I've heard about him. Um, but the main thing that stands out is he just has no experience um, as a manager. A lot of experience as a coach. Seems to be very well regarded as a coach. Seems to have a very sort of um, strong academic background. He has like a master's degree. In fact, I believe he's got a PhD um, from Honam University. Um, but all of that is great and it looks really good. But he's completely untested as a, as a football manager. And so it might work out great, but it might he might not just be able to do that and to be able to take that step up. So 
who knows? But um, in the position Ansan are in, it's probably worth the risk, isn't it? I mean, there's nothing to lose over the next sort of 10 games or so until the end of the season. And that's really going to be the best. Yeah, he's coming with 12 games to go. It's basically 12 free hits. The only caveat is, because with Ansan sitting 12 points behind Elan, you have to be realistic to say they're not even going to catch 11th place at this rate. It's really made the rest of the season so dead, um, which is really bad for the fact that we had 4,000 in the first home game this season. It really felt like the club was building something, and now it's got, it's below 1,000, and rightly so, if you could say, because it's it's been appalling this season. Um, I remember being at Chongju away. There was, unfortunately, uh, a young lad who was uh, he was crying uh, and his parents were trying to console him, but he was saying, why do I have to support this team? So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it has a knock-on effect, of course. There's complete lack of something to build for. Um, but Chonan is is coming up for Ansan as their next game. If they lose that one, then Chonan will be only four points behind them. Ansan's season could actually get worse, amazingly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think there, you as you say, it's 12 free hits, but there are things that need to change. Um, the team needs to look a lot more organized than it has in the first half of the season. There was, I mean, I've heard people talk a lot about the lack of balance in the team. Um, there needs to be signs of progress for sure. Um, I think people will accept that results might stay bad, that Obviously, as you said, they're not going to climb the table and they're perhaps going to be looking over their shoulder at Chonan, but it's going to be the performances as much as the results to to see that there's a, a bit more of a plan for the team, I think. He can show that he's done that. And from his coaching background, I think that's the least we can expect. I think to add to that in terms of to be optimistic, the there are no big stars in this team anymore. Anton's top scorer this season is still Gabriel, who left mid-season. Um, and the exception of maybe Kim Yong-nam did look very good earlier in the season in midfield, but then there's Kim Bamsu who came from Jeju, who has a really, really dedicated following. Um, you know, his <laughs> family members are in attendance, but so he had a few away games. It's been young ladies looking for a signature after the game. <laughs> so he's certainly got a following there, but I mean, they're the closest Amsterdam have the stars. So if, or anyone who's going to be marketable uh, or what, who may want to be poached by another team. So the positive would be if the team does get organised, this team could actually stay together. Yeah, I mean, there is, as you say, um, hopefully a spine to that team. Um, I think Eason Bean's the other one you really need to point out. He's been at Ansan for a while, but he does look like the kind of goalkeeper that anyone in K2 at least would, would want in their team. Um, but you're right. Uh, there's not going to be a case of like other teams looking at it and picking out the best players as has happened in the past, you know, with them um, going to Asan or Eland or that. So that is one positive. Right. I didn't mention Sungbin, but of course, um, I kind of see him as, given his age in that, and he's, you know, I see him as an Ansan permanent for, for some reason, personally, but it's almost not worth following a player of the season because. I mean, even against Asan, it was just, he was pulling off a lot of really impressive saves, things that would go into any keeper's highlight reel. But you you just know that a goalkeeper can only make so many great saves before the, it eventually goes in. And I think 
uh, it, it could be said that he's probably he could also be annoyed that why am I pulling off these? Why have I got this record of pulling off all these performances when there's nothing? There's nothing to show for it. I mean, definitely, he must be frustrated with the way things have been going over the last two, three years because he has been the standout. Right. So again, I would probably argue that if, if this team does somehow at least gain some consistency, give him the armband, and then let, let the team go forward next season. Because the Greeners, at least, their golden period came just two years after the club formation. And it was when they had that K3, the Ulsan, the Dolphins team. That was the core of the team. And mm-hmm. they just, they got, you could say they got lucky with the likes of Vintichenko, Masatoshi, etc. And um, was it a few of the good players coming from other Korean teams. They kind of got lucky that those players came in and, they came very close to the playoffs. Had they made it with the momentum, who knows what could have been achieved at that time. And I think that's really important for a team like Ansan. They just need that core. But the, you know, you're looking at again multiple. You know, every team sheet is different. The starting eleven is inconsistent. And I think I did an article for K League United about two seasons ago, just looking at. Um, I believe it was when Kim Gilshik was manager. Whenever the team had like. Eight or f- eight or more players the same from the previous game, they were more likely to draw or win. But whenever there were more changes than that, they were more likely to lose. Just keep the consistency for the side. That's true, and that has been a big thing this season. Um, when you when I had a quick look at how many games players had played, you notice there's only two or three that are playing every game, and it just seems to be particularly up front. It seems to be um, revolving, you know trying new things, bringing people in. And there has been injuries as well, to be fair. Right. But yeah, I mean, even when Gabriel came in and he was looking good, he was not starting necessarily the game. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe fitness and that coming into a new league, but he's gone to song now. He's just performing very well there. So that's a silly disappointment. But, you know, that's the... What's the most hopeful you can put Ansan's position in? <laughs> uh, let's get on to the the more meaty theme of what we want to discuss um, on this particular pod. And the question is, with Ansan looking so bad, I mean, there's been a lot of rumors and articles written about the club um, in the Korean sports media, which are quite damning about the potential of Ansan facing yet another club casualty. So... Ansan have a, some cities have a history of this, which I'm sure we'll come on to, but Ansan, this is the history in 2007, formed with Ansan Hallelujah. They eventually had issues within the city, were forced to change their name and were eventually forced out, moving to Goyang. Ansan then had um, 2013, had no team whatsoever, and then in came the police for 2014. Um, Also faced a name change, turning into Ansan Mugulhua and changing their kit to green during their three-year stint in Ansan, but they did finish that by winning the second division um, with a 3-2 last day win at Anyang, which is and should have, I always say this should have been one of the most epic games in history, but the away crowd was about a dozen, and then we now have the Ansan Greeners forming in 2017. Now, 
to my knowledge, only the police have been a casualty in the actual K League. So the National League, the old second division, were losing teams. But the K1 and K2 seem to be quite a set brand, or they seem more focused and determined to be taken more seriously. But the Mukungwa team, the police team, did turn into Asan, as we know them today. In a way, there was a transition there. So the city didn't lose their team. But there is also the military team, which is transition city. So you could argue that that's been a, an issue with uh, Sangju moving to Gimchon. Are there any other teams in since the K-League's formation and that have disappeared? There's There has been a couple, um, both in 2016, actually. There was Chunchu Hummel for a while. Um, they moved up from the National League and had a few seasons in K2 for disappearing and of course as well like you were saying Anson Hallelujah you moved to Koyang and then they, yeah. I think it was a Koyang Zykron they finished up as and then that's right they, yeah they disappeared as well but you're right I mean for since K1 has added K2 they've um it's been a constant expansion and every year or almost every year recently it seems like there's been another extra team or two coming in so yeah it's it's unusual for a team to disappear there's been Rumours, particularly with Songnam a couple of years ago, about um, the city pulling the funding if the team didn't improve, but very few actual teams disappearing. Right. Yes, I know. I remember that first game we were at in the season at Songnam, there was, well, the home crowd were not too pleased to see a city official enter the pitch, were they? Well, uh, Songnam themselves, they haven't done particularly well this season either. It's uh, a long shot now for the playoffs for them, but they do have one of them. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, sorry. I mean, with Songnam, a big part of them is their history. I mean, they'll still have fans that are used to winning the K-League every year. You know, they were, what, seven-time champions under Iowa? So it's a bit more of an adjustment. Whereas with Ansan, there's never been that sort of success <laughs> so um yes <laughs> so yeah I, I i can understand songnam's fans feeling of disappointment sometimes right so um i'm trying to think of anything to pull from ansan and success obviously in the greeners the, the current team era um i mean i've seen us get knocked out k3 and k4 teams in the cup on a basis hmm regular basis <laughs> um, it was good this season for Ansan though they finally got that K1 team coming to the WA Stadium it's been a long time since a top tier team visited the the WA Stadium in, in the cup game and I think that was well received it's just a shame that the pollution level was so high that it kept many people away from the game um, the 2.5 was over 200 during the match I mean lethal basically <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, it, it's a real shame because um, cup games are the ones I enjoy. I mean, um, probably the most. And it is just a case of just beating one team to get into that. You know, you yeah. tend to you can take care of one K3, K4 team. You've got a great chance of, of getting a, a bigger team coming down. So, yeah. yeah. And the Blue Wings brought a thousand fans to the Wild Stadium. The atmosphere was fantastic. You know, from them anyway, it was fantastic. Yes. Um, and do have you know a more a more vocal section than they've had in the past. But to see the entire away section in voice was very impressive. So that's I think more of that might turn fans on. But if 
you know, they've got to engage in these, and we talk about it every year. This is the first year it's actually happened. Um, mm. So let's just think about the impact of clubs folding themselves, actually, because I recall that um, Namdong FC's folding mid-season, um, you know, they're a cool team with a big crab badge. And, um, yes. and of course, I, I went over the because it's not too far, and you know the, the the club setup were very friendly. It was a nice atmosphere. One of those, you know, um, very low key teams, but they actually got a little bit of attention. I read several articles in different, you know, foreign language media published abroad, criticizing Korea for allowing a team to fold that way mid season. Um, so let's just go through some of the teams which have disappeared in recent times, and what's the impact on the respective leagues. So who springs to mind when you think of a, a team folding in Korea? I mean, I think Koyang is always the city that springs to mind. Um, the one team that's folded this year in K4 um, was uh, Koyang Happiness. And then last year's K4 winners were Koyang KB, or was it Koyang HB? Sorry, um, Koyang HB. And they won the league and then promptly folded as well. So um yeah, it's it's difficult, you know, particularly you try to engage fans, you try to get them along, and then the team disappears. And so they're not going to make that mistake again about getting engaged with a football team, are they? So it's a, it's a real problem. It's a real problem. But um, I think the problem is that you talked about Namdong and the city pulled the money and Namdong tried to carry on. And it just shows how difficult it is to run a football team. Um, when you're not being funded either by the city or by a company as well. So you're very much at the mercy of like funding from one of these two sources. So it's almost, we have a chicken egg here. If the teams are going to survive, they're going to need to have consistent money, a consistent revenue stream. And if they have fans, we know like in ticket sales don't necessarily sustain clubs in modern football, but <laughs> when stadiums are full, your sponsorship deals come in then because they know they've got eyeballs on whatever it is they want to see. Um, but you can't build that if the team doesn't... The team's got to gain legacy. It's got to survive. So if they're not going to get funding, you, we're not gonna, you're not going to build that. I can't see how a young fan today, what's the point in supporting a team outside of the K1, essentially? Because you don't know if it's going to be there in five years. So it, Yeah, it's absolutely true. Um you kind of got you got a few sort of established K3 teams that have been there a long time but outside of that you're really you're right i mean you're kind of hoping that your team's going to survive year after year um so yeah so it's, it's a real problem so I mean, i've been having discussions with my son recently about what would we do if there was no ansan team next year and it's kind of like especially to a young fan it's just mind blowing that um especially when you know if, if you're a football fan, you'll know it encompasses all aspects of your life in many ways. It's a little like, you know, that concept of what if something wouldn't exist anymore, it's very hard to get around. And it's a real turnoff, I think. I think I think for me, this is the crux of where Korea or the K-League needs to actually step in and perhaps change policy or measures about how clubs are run and how clubs should be formed in the first place. And some what can be done to be more sustainable? So what would you, what would you advocate that Kaylee could do to, or even you know what would motivate them to do something to protect clubs? 
I mean, I think, um, I don't know how much money it would take, but if, K if the KFA had some sort of central funding that um, made it easier for teams to survive, taking Ansan as an example, um, the KFA wouldn't be putting the kind of money in that would um, make it possible for Ansan to survive in K2, but if the city pulled out, could they put in money to keep it running in K3, K4, so that the football team is still running, um, still got the, that place for the fans to go to? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, at the moment, it feels like a lot of money is going into K1 teams and not so much outside of that. Can that be spread around a little bit more so that it can ensure team survival? Right. So, and it, one wonders if, obviously, with... Um... We've seen new leagues rising in that are going to be competing in the Asian Champions League. I mean, I think it's going to be obviously you're getting the superstars in the Saudi League now, etc. I mean, is that going to further exacerbate the problem that the K1 is just going to want to make sure that the participants and representatives are as strong as they can be, even if that means jettisoning the actual grassroots development of football in Korea? Um, so I certainly think that they shouldn't, you know, especially new, newer clubs coming in, they've really got to have a, a long-term funding plan, provable, rather mm -hmm. than just taking a gamble. And again, you know, it's you know, it can be bad. Players can lose their livelihoods. The staff around the club, obviously, you know, if that's their job and then suddenly the, the team folds, they're gone. But to me, more than anything else, you know, um, I've always loved the sport because you can look back and see the history you can see people who can talk about things that happened in different times. And I always advocate, you know, if football is about winning things, you'd be turning off 99% of football fans because their teams don't win things. But it's about yeah. those, just those special moments that you get. I mean, even with Ansan, we've had one or two special moments, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if we're not going to have this kind of legacy for young people to, to grow up into and then maybe the next generation comes in and they learn and then they want to build their own, you know, have those experiences. I almost see what's the point in having the, having these leagues going in the first place, you may as well just have one dedicated league. If it's going to be like that, I would never advocate for that, but I just have this feeling. So. It does feel like it's going that way sometimes. I mean, you see in K4, um, what is it five of the 17 teams in k4 are are now like b teams under 23 teams for bigger right. teams that's that's only going to grow i think that's only going to go one way so it does kind of feel that there's more of that sort of concentration of we've got our k1 teams or big teams and then we're going to try and grow them by having the under 23s and and k4 maybe putting them out as a secondary team into other towns and that's that's just not the same as it i mean that's not your own team I think going up to watch uh, no one United, no one United the other week, and they they were playing against. It may have been Guangzhou's second team. Um, I'm going to be honest, say I can't recall the opposition right now, which is perhaps a bit embarrassing. But actually, had they played any of an actual team in the league, no. Remember, know about it because there's more intrigue, but it feels like it's a glorified training game to make other teams stronger further up the pyramid mm -hmm. when it's like that. So, certainly don't. And I can see the attraction of saying, like, you know, at least those teams are established, they can bring the, you know, they can 
exist they can sustain the league but again it's it's missing the purpose of this of having this the league in the first place because you go to these lower i mean in my experience anyway you go to these lower teams like Shihun and and no one or other other teams scattered around and they do have a a core of at least you know 100 or 200 locals who are enjoying that experience that's never going to sustain a team financially but i mean are we spoiled by the fact that, you know if you i mean you're coming from the, the united kingdom as we both do i mean we're both from league pyramids which do have you know lower down the pyramid i mean we went to we went to a several um games of several games just around where we were traveling in in winter and we went to Darlington, which had a, a a very noisy, very loud stadium playing in the sixth tier of of the of the league structure. You kind of feel like you know that's what I expect. So when you go to the lower teams, and you don't see that. Of course, you can be disappointed. However, of course, what we wanted to talk about today is one of the reasons that might happen is because it's so unreliable. Not yes. many people you know, can talk about the you know. I know a few fans in the K1 say, oh, you know, my dad used to, my father used to bring me, my family used to come when I was a kid. There's not many K2 teams that have been or old enough in the first place for that to have happened, but they may not be old, become old enough for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's true. It's um, And it's it's the cost as well. I mean, um, I don't know how much it costs to run a K3, a K4 team, but as you talk about um, in Scotland, if you go down to the sixth tier, the cost to run a football team is so small. I mean, everybody's doing it for not much more than training expenses. You can you can run a team for like, I don't know, 40, 50,000 pounds a year at that level. That doesn't seem to happen at Korea. Uh, in Korea, K3, K4 teams seem to always have a much bigger budget, need a much bigger budget. So I wonder if that's part of it as well. You know, you need to be able to put together a team for a lot less money. And then why can't that happen in Korea? Right, a lot of teams also maybe suffer from the the fact that they're they're paying to sustain a city's white elephant project in a stadium built for the sake of having the stadium. I mean, I think Ansanzwa Stadium as a design this is quite a cool stadium. The the outer concourse surrounding it, etc. But it clearly it was never built with the idea of local fans watching a team in mind, mm-hmm. and um. I just wonder, you know, that's got to put a massive... I I'm, I don't know about the expenses on the balance sheet. It'd be very interesting to find out. But I wonder if Ansan are charged to utilise the stadium, maintain and sustain that, you know, the use of the stadium, etc. Or that's coming out. It's not just wholly city-funded. And again, would be a, be a bit of a shame and a bit of a, an issue. Because as you said, um, I've seen... I've heard it said um, that some K2 teams don't want promotion to the K1. And as I recall in the past with the, the likes of the National League, etc., teams not wanting to win the league because they were threatened with threatened with promotion because right. they get they get they will be charged a lot more to sustain the team, which just seems a bit mad to me because again, I've not got the the figures in that, but you look at the Premier League and you look at teams like Bournemouth, which are, and now Luton, which have fought their way up. Um mm. obviously some of those, particularly Bournemouth, have had a, a lot of financial backing to do so. However, by going to the Premier League, well, at least because they have a stadium, are they going to suddenly say, like, oh, actually, you're not going to, this isn't a great, you're not going to, you're not in a big time now, you're now going to have to pay for it. 
that's how it feels in Korea though. It's like, oh, now you pay for being here. Not, it's not a celebration of football. It's almost like a, um, I think, I mean, I think that's a better situation now. Uh, certainly, as you said, it was particularly in the National League once it was the K-League and the National League. Yeah. Changing from one to the other brought a lot of expenses outside. It was um, in terms of you had to, as you say, make the stadium a bit better, but you had to fund a lot of youth teams as well. And so that's why you got to the ridiculous situation where there was a National League final one year, which both teams didn't want to win, you know, and one... <laughs> deliberately got three players sent off <laughs> you know it was it was just silly um it's a bit better with k1 and k2 I, I don't think there's i'd be surprised if a team didn't want promotion but i could understand it as as well because the amount of funding that needed to be competitive in k1 is just so much more so you're just saying well we're going to get promoted but we're just going to go straight back down again and it's we're going to look bad so right uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly not the promised land as it is in like the English Premier League. Especially as I said, with, with many teams getting city funding, I guess um, it'd be very easy for political attachment to failure as well of the, the sports team. It's for those not involved in understanding the ebbs and flows of success in sports. It can just look like, oh, that team's bad. You know that that political candidate is bad. Let's just get rid of it, etc. It's so. I mean, there's a lot of factors that seem to be out of clubs' controls here as well, which is uh, another another issue. So, regarding that, then I think we could probably talk. We could talk more about some of the case studies we've had. I mean, you mentioned Goyang, and how they were originally the Hallelujah team went to Goyang before their folding. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in that case, it was the team's identity, which was the pressure being exerted from outside, which which uh, led to that potentially, you know, leading to that folding, I guess, as well. Um, so Korea certainly provides some interesting challenges and case studies for sustainability in sports, certainly, which, and but for me, as I've said, the issue is we don't have legacy here in Korea, certainly not in the lower lower tiers and that's really what the K-League needs to step in and make sure develops because are Antan going to be here in 2014? Well I've the question is will Antan be here at the beginning of 2024? So little wager do you think we'll have uh, Antan lining up in the K-League 2 in 2024? I think so yeah um I think so. Um, it's as you said, it can be quite political, and um, it's quite often easier to keep a football team running, um, even if it's doing badly, than to face the protests of like a hundred maybe very very angry voters who are going to make a lot of noise about their football team being killed. So, I think that keeps football teams running quite a lot because, as you said, you know, there's not been that many teams that have been lost. Um, it was Hummel, Zikron, um military teams move around. It's very rare for a city team to actually fold. So, um, yeah, based on that alone, I think we can be very confident that Ansan will be lining up in 2024. Great. Well, I hope so too. <laughs> okay, great. So, yeah, today we're just discussing something that I think Kaylee fans really need to get a bit more engaged with. Um, 
there was a lot of support for Songnam from K1 teams actually last season from the fan bases regarding what was going on there. So um, I think there's there's an appetite because I think for all fans you've got rivalries, but you don't want to ultimately see teams struggle and disappear because it makes the whole competition worse for you, doesn't it? Not? So that's something things to think about. And thanks for listening, and thanks David for joining us again on the Ansan Football Podcast. Thank you. Take care. Thank you.